in our childhood, uh, Christmas is this special time. I mean, mm -hmm. when else do you get up and go downstairs and there are presents waiting for you exactly. to open up and everybody, there's a stocking hung. And, and so you grow up going, this is a really special day. This is something wonderful. I wish it could be like this every day. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a childhood response. Mm -hmm. Well, we carry that in. And so our expectation as we grow into young adulthood, into adulthood is this season has to deliver that. And then as adults, we start to realize, oh, this takes work and execution on our parts, and we don't always get it right. So it's a tricky season. Well, welcome to the Family Life Blended podcast. I'm Ron Deal. I'm so glad that you're with us today. We help blended families and those who love them to pursue the relationships that matter most. If you missed our last Women in Blended Families live stream, the holiday edition, oh my goodness, you've got to check that out. Go to YouTube, watch it. It's also available on Facebook. It's so practical, so helpful and encouraging. Ladies, don't miss it. Guys, if you're listening, help your lady in order not to miss that. The show notes will tell you how you can link right to it. This is our last podcast episode of 2022. I can hardly believe <laughs> 2022 is ending, and it's a really special one. Joining me in the studio, uh, Bob Lapine is back with us. Welcome, Bob. It is great to be here. My goodness, it's yeah, fun. This is fun. Having you here. Uh, some people may not realize who you are, so I'm going to tell them who you are in just a minute. But let me just say Merry Christmas, and thanks for joining me. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you as well. I hope you have everything done. Um, no, I don't. <laughs> Neither <laughs> Thank, do I. Thanks for that reminder. <laughs> well, for anybody who follows Family Life and you're familiar with Family Life today, that's the national radio broadcast of Family Life, then you know Bob's voice. You heard him speak just a second ago and you went, oh my goodness, I know who that is. <laughs> that's Bob Lapine. He's the voice of Family Life today. And for many, many years, he was. Actually, when did you guys start? You and... Dennis, Dennis Rainey and I started in 1992. Okay. We went on the air November of 1992. And then Dennis made the transition in 2019. Mm -hmm. And I continued for another couple of years with David Ann Wilson. And uh, back in the spring of 2021, mm -hmm. that's when I handed the baton squarely to them and said, Run, I'm done. <laughs> run, run, Forrest, run, is what I said. <laughs> and they've been running ever since. Been doing great. Every once in a while on this podcast, we will go back and capture one of those interviews that you and Dennis did with me. Yes. And uh, we'll repurpose that. We've shared that with some of our listeners. So, again, even if they've never heard Family Life Today, they've heard your voice at least once or twice. And we had our first conversation when your first book came out. That's so that right. goes back 15 years? You know, I did the research yes. knowing you were coming in today, and you're going to be amazed. We actually had our first conversation on Family Life Today together before the Smart Step Family, the original edition came really? out. Really? It was in 2001. Wow. The book came out in 2002, which, by the way, means it's 20 years old. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Still uh, selling well and still influencing people, and, and to God be the glory for mm -hmm. that. But in 2001, we met here in Little Rock. Right. And you and I and Dennis sat down and we did a whole series of uh, conversations on material that would eventually be told in the Smart Step family and other things that we've done here at Family Life. Well, and, and Dennis and I walked out of that and said, 
here's a gold mine mm. of somebody who uh, understands these issues in a way that very few people do, understands how the Bible interacts with them, has a view on marriage and family that's a high view of marriage and family, and yet desperately wants to help people mm-hmm. uh, who have stumbled to get back up and get in the race and mm-hmm. uh, or who have been hurt because it's not all stumbling. Sometimes right, right, it's right. just people through loss. They've had loss and grief. I've learned so much from mm-hmm. you. I've recommended your resources to so many people. Anytime Marianne and I are with somebody and we learn they're in a blended family, she goes, do they have Ron's book? Do they need Ron's book? Tell them about Ron's book. So I've been a cheerleader for decades. Well, I appreciate that yeah. very much. That yeah. means a lot. Um, listeners may not realize that you can kind of blame Bob for Family Life Blended being out here, <laughs> being this thing that we created together. So in 2001, we did our first conversation. Right. And then when I started writing books, The Smart Step Family, then The Smart Step Mom, Smart Step Dad, you guys would have me back. And over a period of 10 years, I've often told people, we just sort of got to know each other. And then came that fateful day in 2011, fall of 2011, I get a phone call from you. Yeah. And you say, Dennis and I have been talking and we think it's time for Family Life to start a step family initiative. And you asked if I would be willing to have that conversation with you. And I said, of course. Yeah. How long? Uh, why have you... <laughs> Waited this long. long. I remember thinking, where have you been all my life? (laughs) You were in Amarillo, Texas at the time, right? That's right. And we had that initial conversation and I was, I was thrilled that you were interested. And I remember early days sitting down and brainstorming with you Mm -hmm. and talking about, um, media, talking about events, talking about how do we fuel a movement and how do we ignite what we felt like was the need was clear. It seemed like nobody had a, a good bead on how to address the need in a way that would would catch fire. And over the last decade plus, we've watched you do that and mm. watched people come to the events, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, so many people have been helped. And it, it's one of those privileges to have had a small part in being catalytic to help get this launched and off the ground. Well, I am deeply indebted to you well, for all of that. And when I came to Family Life, you were my boss. Yeah. So, I mean, nothing happened without you saying, okay, let's do that. I remember coming to you saying, um, hey, we think we ought to do a one-minute feature. You know, just air that. Some Family Life was really good at. Like, can we do this? And you said, yeah, let's make it happen. Now, by the way, that's on over a thousand stations. That's great. It's in Ghana. It's in Jamaica. <laughs> it's in South Africa. It's in, like... Who knew? Right. Armed Forces Network. Um, yeah, touching lots of people. Just, just so many examples of things that you said, yes, thumbs up, let's do that. And you jumped in and made it happen. And I appreciate that so very, very much. Well, it's a, a privilege and an honor. So I appreciate that. So you retired a couple of years ago, but you didn't retire. You retire. You should call my wife and say, tell me about Bob's retirement. Right. She'd go, I haven't seen him. I, I can't talk about Not it. Not even close. Listen to this, <laughs> listener. Uh, teaching pastor at Redeemer Community Church here in Little Rock, which you helped to found, by the way. Yes. You serve on the board of directors of two ministries, and you've authored three books <laughs> since you retired. Yeah. Three books have come out. Love Like You Mean It, The Heart of a Marriage That Honors God, Building a Stronger Marriage, which you just gave me a copy of, and the book we're going to be talking about today, The Four Emotions of Christmas. I cannot 
believe I get to turn the tables on Bob Lapine. <laughs> I get to interview you today. About emotions. That's what's scary here. It's like Ron Deal's going to ask me questions about emotions and the emotional makeup of something. What, what I know about me, Ron. <laughs> okay, good. I love it. Is that I should ask you the questions about emotions. Yeah. Yes, this is going to be a fun conversation. Uh, really, seriously, thank you. I'm, I, I'm glad that you're here. So, Assuming people actually listen to this when it first releases, uh, it's mid-December right. 2022. What do you think somebody listening to us right now is feeling in the midst of the Christmas season? I think most of us start the season. So a few weeks ago when Thanksgiving was over and we put everything away and mm-hmm. we put up a tree and started decorations and maybe the church had the first Sunday in Advent and we went, okay, we got to be we got to be straight on toward Christmas here. we got a lot to do to get there. The season, our calendars were loaded up, but we were thinking, I always look for, people start Christmas going, I love Christmas. Mm. And they say that because they love what the season reflects and what they hope it will do in them emotionally, spiritually. There's something about the Christmas season that causes you to smile and Mm -hmm. brings a warmth and a resonance. What happens for a lot of people, though, is you get in the midst of it and you find that the activity, the stress, the disappointments that you didn't anticipate, um, all of a sudden it's like, wait, I thought this season was going to deliver love, peace, and joy, and what I'm getting is stress and sadness and disappointment and unmet expectations. Mm -hmm. Why is that? And that's that's what I tried to sit down and, and diagnose and address. Honestly, this is a book, you, you know this, I wrote this book for people who don't go to church mm. um, because I wanted people who don't regularly go to church who come to the Christmas season full of longing and hope to recognize that the, the ultimate fulfillment of what they're looking for is not in the magic of a season, but it's in a relationship with the person whose birth we celebrate at Christmas. So that's what the whole intent for the book was. And at the same time, I can tell you as a believer that I was touched hmm. by um, the mixed bag of emotions that you discuss in the book. So, you know, whether you have a faith rooted in, in the Lord or not, I think the emotional experience right. is typical is common for people. And it is that. I mean, I've had conversations with blended couples who, well, one partner is really looking forward to gathering with extended family at the holidays and the other partner's not. Dreading it. Yeah. Dreading it. Or there's this sense, it's a very real sense that um, the holidays kind of reverberate stress back up into a, a blended family that is in the process of blending, that is still sort of evolving their family narrative together. And when stressful situations, whether they be, you know, buying gifts for people and getting the right gift, that's one thing. It's stressful buying gifts. It's another thing to think, okay, but if I get this wrong, this relationship is going to be a little bit harder, not better. And so all of that just sort of adds a, a twinge of uh, like you said, stress, disappointment to the whole experience. Well, our our relationships um, kind of move to a different level of engagement during mm-hmm. the holiday season. We know we're going to be together. Again, mm-hmm. there are expectations built into some of that. Um, in, in one sense, the Christmas season is is almost a litmus test for how are we doing relationally. 
in our marriage, in our extended family. Yeah. Um, what you get right or wrong is magnified yes. during the Christmas season. Yep. And so the pressure to want to get it all right is something that we walk into. And here, here's the thing. In the midst of all of that, which is not unimportant, but we often forget we're supposed to be thinking about Jesus and his birth and what that means for us. <laughs> yeah. And instead, we're consumed with events and activities and relational tensions that have risen to the top. Yeah, so it's it's a tricky season. I want to just read a little excerpt out of your book, The Four Emotions of Christmas, and then have you come in it. As children, you say, we grow up believing that Christmas is a magical season filled with flying reindeer, talking snowmen, and elves who live at the North Pole or in New York City, by the way, <laughs> making toys all year round. Although we learn the truth as we grow up, the idea that there is something special about this time of year stays with us. We long to believe that Christmas can somehow bring us a deeper sense of joy and peace and hope. We yearn for at least some of the magic of the season to be real. Yeah. What's inside that for people? Well, I think it starts from the place where we come to this season focused on the birth of Christ, and we think this is a season of amazement. God comes to earth. The angels appear right. in the sky and say, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Right. Um, so, so hearing that story, we think there's something really special that happened that we're celebrating. And then over time in the culture, there's been so much that's been kind of piled on the back of that sentiment that now hmm. we we head into that season with expectations that the present we get is going to bring the joy. The meal that we have as a family is going to be where peace is found. We start to import the, the original meaning of the season into all of the the tangential mm. uh, celebration aspects. And so now all of a sudden we expect everything to deliver. Uh, you mentioned Buddy. He he moved to New York, started in the North That's Pole, true. moved to New York. That's true. But, but you remember <laughs> Buddy's exuberance over everything Christmas yes. and how excited. There's a little of that longing that's in all of us mm -hmm. for the season to be that for mm -hmm. all of us. At some level, it's a little unrealistic expectation right. that we need to adjust on the front end, and yet we don't want to let completely go of it because it tethers us back to what the original meaning of the season is. Okay, let's unpack expectations. That's a beautiful lead-in to let's talk about these four emotions. The first one you mentioned is disappointment. We're going to get to stress, sadness, and then ultimately to joy. joy right. But let's talk about disappointment. We have so much writing on Christmas, and expectations is definitely a part of that. Let's not forget uh, the first Christmas <laughs> didn't quite go the way Joseph or Mary thought that it was supposed to go. They had a mixed bag in their journey in terms of pregnancy. Right. Uh, what? Before marriage? <laughs> what? What are people going to say? You know, the whole shame narrative that was put upon them from other people. They had to face that. Exactly. On a regular basis. Then they're running for their lives. Uh, okay. So what are expectations? What are the expectations we have that set us up for disappointment? Well, I think because in our childhood, uh, Christmas is this special time. I mean, mm -hmm. when else 
do you get up and go downstairs and there are presents waiting for you exactly. to open up and everybody there's a stocking hung and everybody is smiling on a breakfast there's a special breakfast mm-hmm. that mom has made and so you grow up going this is a really special day this this is something wonderful i wish it could be like this every day mm-hmm. that's that's a childhood response mm-hmm. well we carry that in and so our expectation as we grow into young adulthood into adulthood is this season has to deliver that. And we start with that expectation that it's the season that will deliver that, that somehow something in the air in December is just going to magically make all of the, the the joy and peace happen. And then as adults, we start to realize, oh, this takes work and mm-hmm. execution on our part, and mm-hmm. we don't always get it right. I think that this may be my most uh, horrible Christmas memory. I've got two of them. One was on the Christmas morning when all of our kids were opening their presents and we got all done and our daughter Katie said, where's mine? Oh, oh. We we had forgotten to buy a oh. Christmas gift for one of our five kids. Oh. Now, as a parent, that's like we have just inflicted <laughs> lifelong trauma. Uh, that what we have communicated to Isn't this that child, one of the unforgivable sins? Uh, it is, right. <laughs> so you, you walk away from that going, what an utter failure uh, we were as parents oh, man. In, in this moment, and how have we scarred our child for mm-hmm. life? And then I, I share in the book about what was the worst Christmas we ever had. We had, Mar- Marianne and I had been married for five years. We had a three-year-old daughter. We lived in Sacramento, California. Marianne's family was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My family was in Kansas City, Missouri. So we were far away from mm-hmm. family. It was just Marianne and me and our three-year-old. Marianne was four days away from giving birth to our second child. So she was great with child. Mm-hmm. We had a very, I mean, her, her name being Mary, we were thinking, no. well, at least we have this going for us. <laughs> but we sat, and we'd, we'd only lived in Sacramento for three months. We didn't have friends, yeah. family. Felt we had, isolated. We had my job. We got up that Christmas morning and um, had some presents for Amy, our mm. our daughter, and she opened those. This whole thing took about 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then we had nothing to do the rest of the day. Mm. Uh, we didn't make a big meal. It was just the three of us. We looked around for some place where you could eat on Christmas Day, and there are only a few depressing places yes. that are open on Christmas Day. And we ate at one of those. We came back waiting for our family members to call and say Merry Christmas, and they never did. Hmm. So finally at 5 o'clock, we called Marianne's mom, and we get her in the middle of the family gathering, and everybody's over, and she goes, I can't talk now. Everybody's Mm -hmm. here, and Mm -hmm. have a Merry Christmas. And we just kind of hung up and went, this is the most depressing day, because the expectation that the day would bring the joy. Yeah. and, and we'd kind of naively gone into that. You know what's sparking for me right now? You're reminding me of a conversation that you and I and Dennis had on Family Life Today with good friends of ours, Bob and Vicki. And they were a later life couple. They'd each been widowed. They found each other. They get married. Uh, they have adult children. Their first Christmas, they brought everybody together and they, Bob orchestrated this what he thought was going to be a magical moment for their blended family experience where he honors his new wife in front of her children and his children. Uh, they saved a gift for one another. All the other kids, all the other gifts have been open, grandkids. And now it's time for us to honor each other. And it turned out 
that it brought tears from some of the adult children and angst and tension to relationships, not it didn't orchestrate togetherness. <laughs> right. It magnified the loss that the kids exactly. had experienced. They were sort of like, you know, kind of happy for you, really sad for us right. in this moment. And that's part of the disappointment, I think, that people can relate to. Whatever that narrative is, whether it was you guys being out there in Sacramento all alone or whether it's Bob and Vicky, everybody can relate to the the sweet and bitter yeah. part of the holidays where coming together, celebrating Sharing gifts, uh, loving on each other a little bit with some special cookies and, you know, right. traditions. And yet at the same time, somebody's not here. Something's not as I wish it were, whether that be a child or an adult or everybody. And the things that you wish were different are different than the person sitting next to you that they wish were different. And so there's this togetherness and aloneness, yeah. I think, all at the same time. And the expectations that we have are all built on years of what Christmas was to us as a child mm -hmm. or as mm -hmm. a young adult. So we've got this mountain of memories, and we we pull up the good memories. And so we head into the holidays going, this season will be this because it's always been that for me before. And mm -hmm. then you hit a season that's not like that or a season when you've had loss or where there's grief or you're trying to rebuild after uh, the destruction of a, of a family. Those realities. I, th I think we've got to go into the season, a little late to be talking about this now with folks who are listening, but you have to kind of start in early December mm -hmm. and say, let's have a right sense of expectation as we as we go into this. Let's, let's adjust our expectations on the front end yep. so that we're not over-promising to ourselves what uh, this season's going to be for us. And here's the thing. If anybody out there is like me, you don't know what your expectations are most of the time until you don't experience Until they're them. not met, yeah. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, I guess I was hoping. And you, you start to put words on it. That's me. I, I'm like that a lot. And then I kind of back myself into what I was hoping was going to happen. And then I'm like, oh, okay. So somebody listening to us right now may be able at this point to put words on that. Or it might be January before you put words on, oh, yeah, I was leaning into this and hoping that and just expecting this. And so next year, <laughs> you start making those adjustments of expectations now right. for what might happen next year. And I think when expectations go unmet, sometimes we have to go back and say, well, how valid or how realistic was the expectation in the first mm -hmm. place? Mm -hmm. So it is the problem of my unmet expectation that someone or something didn't deliver or was the problem that I had too high an expectation to begin with and maybe we can adjust down and go, you know, I came into this mm. expecting magic and what I got was mundane. Mm. Maybe maybe magic was too high an expectation. Maybe it was me. That's right. the whole blender mentality that we talk about. Uh, you know, just expecting too much too soon sets you up and everybody else up for a lot of stress, which is your second emotion, right. by the way. By the way, I had a little reflection. I was kind of jumping into Mary and Joseph and their first Christmas experience, which, you know, we've jokingly said for years is, uh, you know, a pretty prominent step family circumstance right. with Joseph not being the biological parent who did not have an immediate attachment to the idea of Jesus, the, this child. It's not mine, not my responsibility. And he almost walked. I mean, that's really what happened. You know, I reread that story 
Bob, listen to this. I don't know that I've ever really caught this before. Maybe you have, but how many times in the Bible does an angel come to somebody and they say, do not be afraid? And it's sort of like, don't be afraid I'm standing in front of you. You're scared to death that some angel thing, what you know, is is right in front of you and you're not sure what to do with this. Hey, it's okay. I'm not going to hurt you. Don't be afraid. Right. What the angel says to Joseph is different. I've never noticed this. The angel says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Mm. <laughs> the first thing out of his mouth is, look, I know you're really worried about this whole thing about Mary and you're walking away because it's not your child and she, you feel like she betrayed you. Of course, she didn't, but he thought. And the first thing the angel says is one of comfort about the angst going on between him and her. That's interesting. Isn't yeah. that really? I've never yeah. noticed that before. Yeah. And then you could flip over to the Mary side, and what's her response when she finds out she's pregnant and disappointment? Oh, what are my parents going to say? Just put yourself in her shoes and all the, yeah, but mom, you don't understand. Yeah, right, honey. Like, you can just imagine how everybody reacted to their circumstances. What her response is, I am the servant of the right. Lord. Well, she starts with, how can this be? And I, I think we read that phrase, and I don't think she's asking for the biological. I think you're right. I think she's saying, wait, how is all of this going to work? Right. And she's starting to comprehend, if this is true, there's going to be a lot of, like, how do we make this work? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of mess on the other side. I'm going to be explaining things to people who aren't going to believe me. Um, and it's going to be a, a, a very challenging. But, but you're right. She comes back around to the point where she says, I'm the Lord's servant. So I'm just sitting here, you know, thinking about our listeners. You're dealing with disappointment. You're dealing with stress. There's a there's a reverberation of, of stress in your home. You kind of felt like things were getting better. And all of a sudden now this Christmas holiday season has sort of brought it all back up again. Right. I thought we'd settled that. Well, now you're sort of mad at me. And the kids are saying they're not going to come for all of Christmas. They're just going to be here a little bit. And now we're all sort of mad at each other. And we don't even know why. <laughs> And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, so what if I, just as a regular person, could adopt a little of Joseph and a little bit of Mary and take that posture of, I am a servant of the Lord. Like, right. Lord, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. I don't know how it's all going to work, but I'm going to look for opportunities to be your servant mm-hmm. and to try to love as best I can. And for Joseph, the receiving end of reassurance, hey, don't be afraid to keep pressing into this relationship, this thing that you don't really know what it is. You're ready to run away from it. Right. Just hang in there. I don't know. I I think maybe those two thoughts could help somebody through the stress. I I think it's a perspective and a focus that says this season, is it about me and my emotional needs being met and my and Christmas delivering to me what my expectations are? Mm-hmm. Or is it about me being the Lord's servant in this to try to figure out how I can bless and encourage and minister to and and share with others? When we make uh, caring for others a bigger priority than getting our own itches scratched during the Christmas season, I think that has a way of shifting uh, the emotional side that's going on in all of us. The third emotion you talk about is sadness. 
We've already alluded to it a little bit. Yeah, these overlap. I mean, it's not yeah, like they're, they're yeah. just hard categories, but the unmet expectations and the stress and the sadness are, well, mm-hmm. it's a blender. It, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's all thrown in there together. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just, this is a season, uh, you know, what's the tiding? Uh, tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort yeah. and joy, even with joy, which we'll get to. We need comfort sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I, absolutely, anytime anybody who has had any significant loss in their life, this is true for blended families. This is true for me, loss of a child. This is true for anybody that has anything in their life that they wish were different. You come to these special times of the year, and I just think that sadness gets resurrected. It's magnified. You can't have the sweet without the bitter. Right. Two sides of the same coin. I just think they go hand in hand. It is what it is. And so I, I know for me, I find myself in one moment laughing and smiling and the next minute uh, remembering and wishing Connor were here and yeah. just, you know, feeling again that tug on my heart. Yeah. And there's just no way you can have both. Our summit on Step Family Ministry that we had this past uh, October in Phoenix, our theme this year was helping leaders understand loss. Mm-hmm. And it's a continuing role within blended families. And we spent some time talking about loss of death of a spouse and uh, a blended family that follows that divorce and, you know, what the experience is for adults and children. We unpacked all kinds of uh, elements to all of that. I think the big takeaway was I kind of joked with people. We were in Phoenix, as I said. I said, yes, uh, we brought you out to the desert to talk about the desert. (laughs) And at the same time, you know, throughout Scripture, we have this God of all comfort. Yeah. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and following, God of all comfort who comforts us, who then gives us a comfort that we can extend and comfort right. other people. That we can comfort others with the comfort we've, we've received. Been given. And there's the, the word comfort's an interesting word. If you break it apart, music people will know that forte mm. means strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, do it strong and loud. C-O-M on the front just means with. So mm. comfort means hmm. to function with strength. It's not the lazy boy and where I just recline and relax. Comfort means I have the strength mm. in the midst of whatever I'm going through to be able to withstand and endure. So when the Bible says comfort others, it means give them the strength they need in the midst of what they're going through to endure what they're facing. And that's such a beautiful picture as we think about Emmanuel, mm, right? God with us, that he is with us. In your book, you, you kind of say it this way. When the darkness comes and the sadness and you feel that sadness, focus on the light. Right. Jesus came as light, to be light. One of the great prophecies in Isaiah, uh, at the beginning of Isaiah 9, before we get to unto us a child is born, a son is given, at the very beginning of chapter 9, it says the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Hmm. And it's describing the nation of Israel in this period of, of darkness. And then God, God's revelation is always pictured as light shining in darkness. We talk about the Shekinah glory of God. Hmm. And the glory is, is this light. When Moses was up on the side of Mount Sinai, and he said, show me your glory. And God said, you'd be blinded. You'd be dead. (laughs) Turn your face, cleft of the rock, and what happens? A blinding light comes, and Moses then shines with that light from the glory of God. So light is, in Scripture, a, a reference to how God, in the midst of the darkness, 
Now we take it as a metaphor for the mm-hmm. sadness that we're feeling in our own life. That's right. God brings strength and comfort in the midst of it. Sometimes the sadness doesn't go away, but we have the strength to endure the sadness. And that's a different picture. Sometimes we're thinking, God, take this sadness away. Mm. Well, you go through the kinds of losses you've talked about here. Um, that sadness will linger throughout a lifetime. But God can bring you strength in the middle of the sadness. That's what the comfort is all about. And the picture of focusing on light, it it just strikes me. You know, the birth of Christ is surrounded by darkness. There was a genocide going on. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and the wise men follow a light, just one right. singular light, you know, in the sky that points the way. And that ultimately leads to the light of the world who changes everything, even in the midst of terrible, evil, horrible things going on. Marianne and I watched the movie this year that told the story of the soccer players who uh, were trapped in the yeah, cave. Yeah, yeah. Remember that? Right. Well, being trapped in that cave in utter darkness, they <laughs> had they had flashlights that they were able to keep going for a while. But anybody who's trapped in a cave, uh, what are they longing for? <laughs> just a glimmer, <laughs> just a crack which says there's there's a way out of here. There's hope on the other side of that. Experiments have been done where people have been put in utter darkness. And after about 48 hours, you start to have real issues, brain issues. I, I, right? I can only imagine. Yeah, you start to go crazy. Huh. If you want to deprive somebody, take away light completely. And so this is where the, the biblical metaphor of light shining in darkness mm. is really a great picture. When our soul is experiencing the dark night of the soul, what we need is for the light of God's love, the light of Christ to come in and uh, give us the comfort we need in the midst of And that, this brings us to joy because we've got to look for the light, yeah. don't we? Yeah. I, I mean, we've got to focus on that in all of the crazy hustle and bustle and the economics and the stress that that brings of the Christmas season, to only focus on all of those things is to totally miss the light. Yeah. And I I talk in the book about the fact that there's a difference between happiness and joy. I was just going to say, what is the difference? So happiness is tied to happenings. In fact, the Mm. root word, again, they're tied together. So you're happy if what's happening makes you happy. Mm. It's circumstantial. Joy goes deeper than just your circumstances. There's a joy that keeps you anchored to a reality, to a truth that is transcendent over whatever the circumstances. So on the ups and downs of the circumstances, if you're anchored in a an enduring truth that there's a God who walks with you through the valley of the shadow of death, a God who walks with you, who will never leave you or forsake you, mm. who has promised you a hope and a future, that's where joy comes. And it's why in the midst of adversity and in the midst of pain, people can say, I know joy in the midst of this darkness because it's not based on my circumstances. So joy is that thing that you focus on even in the midst of disappointment, Mm -hmm. stress, and sadness. Focusing on the light, bearing up under it, trusting in him. Psalm 42. David in Psalm 42 is diagnosing his own emotional struggle. He says, my soul is downcast. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? And he's not asking for a diagnosis. He's really rebuking. He's saying, soul, you should not be Hmm. downcast. Put your hope in God. 
That's what the verse says. When he's hearing his own soul say, this is all that's against me, he's counseling his soul in the moment. Yes, I know that there is much against you. Put your hope in God. That's where you're going to find the enduring strength, the enduring joy that will get you through uh, the hardness of these circumstances. And I don't want to make it sound like like you just pretend away That's the right. pain. That's right. Uh, Job did not pretend away the pain that he was going You've heard through. me say, beauty from ashes does not get rid of the ashes. That's right. We still walk with that pain. Yes. This, this disappointment and sadness can exist, can coexist. At the same time, you're leaning into joy. And so the Bible tells us that circumstances in life, like the death of a loved one, will cause us to grieve. Mm-hmm. And we grieve just like people who don't have the Lord grieve. Mm-hmm. We, it's a human experience. It's right to grieve because it's an acknowledgement that this is not what God intended. That's right. But it says we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Yeah. When you have a hope, you're still grieving, That's but right. there's something that trumps your grief and says, yes, this is hard and this is painful, but I'm clinging to something that's stronger than my grief, and that is that I've got a hope that there's a reuniting going to happen. Okay, so let's pull back. What is this story about a little baby in a manger? What's it really all about? It is really the story of uh, the God who created us looking at the mess that we'd gotten ourselves into. And that mess involved, by the way, our turning to him and saying, we want nothing to do with you. Mm. We want to be in charge of our own life. We're happy to fit you in if it's convenient, but instead of us taking orders from you, we're going to run our own life. That's at the core. When Eve and Adam took the fruit and took a bite, they were saying, I know God made a rule. We are going to overrule God, and we're going to choose our own path in our own way because we think we know better than he does. So. Here's the loving God who created, put you in a, mag- in, a, in a garden that's full of majesty and splendor and walks with you and life is ideal. And he says, there's just one thing. <laughs> and you say, no, we know better. <laughs> so the story of Christmas is that God looks at people who shook their fist at him and said, we want nothing to do with you. And he said, oh, no, that can't be. Right. And so he says, there's only one way to rescue these people. And that is that I have to. I have to send my son that I have to take on flesh, the second member of the the Godhead taking on flesh, entering into time and space with all of the limitations of humanity that go with that. Now you stop and think, this is like I've been living at the suite at the the Hilton and I'm going to the slums. I've, I've been in splendor where for eternity I've had unbroken fellowship with the Father and I'm going to go live among people who despise and reject me. He comes into our world. He's born into our world, committed to the rescue mission. We would never celebrate Christmas if there weren't an Easter. If there had been no Easter, the birth of Jesus would be a lost moment in history. It's pointless. But because he came and accomplished on the cross and through his resurrection what he accomplished, now all of a sudden his birth is that coming into the world of the rescuer, the deliverer, the one who, like Moses, who led his people out of bondage in Egypt, Jesus comes and leads us out of the bondage of our own sin 
into his marvelous light, mm-hmm. the Bible says, into his family, into his kingdom, and gives us a hope and a future. And that's why we sing joy to the world, not because of presents and reindeer and Santa Claus and candy canes. It's joy to the world because the Lord has come. Mm-hmm. Let earth receive her king. That's right. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking the two names that are introduced to us about Jesus. Uh, Matthew focuses on Jesus, right. the name. Uh, that's a common name in Jesus' day. It actually, in Hebrew, means Joshua. Mm-hmm. You reference Moses. Jesus is the ultimate one who leads his people out of their own sin, right? out of exile from God, right? and into the promised land, as Joshua did. He is the ultimate Joshua. right? And then the other name that we learn about him from Luke is Emmanuel. Mm-hmm. We said that earlier, God with us. Ultimately, this is a story about God coming near, coming to be close, Mm -hmm. him pursuing us. He started pursuing us in Genesis 3, 4, (laughs) and it culminates in who Jesus is and his work on the cross. John chapter 1, John says the word, that is Jesus. We can go back and unpack that. So the word is God's idea from the beginning. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word dwelt among us literally means to pitch the tent. Mm -hmm. So the word became flesh yeah, Mm -hmm. and pitched his tent right in the middle of us. We've done this with our kids at Christmas time where we pitched a tent in the living room. (laughs) And they love, you know, the idea of a tent in the living room. But we say, this is what Jesus did. He came and pitched his tent and said, I'm going to live here with you. Mm. I'm going to come and dwell among you and be with you. And then I'm going to lead you out of the bondage that you're in, into the promise. And that's the joy of, yeah, Emmanuel, God is with us. You know, a a common story we hear from people, Bob, in our ministry is um, people struggling so much because of their past that they're trying to figure out how to get back to God. Please stop and listen to the story of Christmas one more time. He has come for you. He moves toward you. That's what grace is. Yep. His pursuit of us. You don't have to do anything (laughs) to somehow get back into his good graces. He has come to be with us. And all you got to do is just release your heart and your life to him. Receive that forgiveness. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a joy to talk about this. Gosh, this has been fun, fun for me. Uh, I love you. I appreciate all that you have done for me and for families. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just a great opportunity to be with you. I hope you and Nan have a very Merry Christmas. And to you as well. Thank you. Well, thank you. If you want to know more about Bob, you can look on our show notes and you can learn more about his ministry. Uh, Let me just remind our listener, this is a donor-supported ministry. And hey, it's the end of the year. You need a tax deduction. So why not? (laughs) If you've never given to Family Life, you can designate your gift specifically to Family Life Blended. Help us reach more people with the work that we're doing through podcasts like this, but also virtual events, in-person events, resources, and all the work that the Lord has given us to do. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. We don't want you to miss. This is episode 101. Oh, my goodness. Did you know that? No. 101. That's amazing. And the year 2023, we've got great plans. You don't want to miss anything that's coming, so... Let me encourage you to subscribe. 
In addition to all the books and resources that we have, we do have some in-person events. I just want to get on your radar as you think about your coming year. Uh, first of all, you can join Nan and I still at the Empowered to Love Sandestin Family Life Resort Getaway. It's February 13 to 17, 2023. Uh, we'd love to have you join us for that event. Uh, I, you can join me at the Windshape Retreat Facility. Bob, you're familiar with that. Yeah, I've been there. North of Atlanta, Georgia. It is one of my favorite events of the year to do a retreat with blended family couples. We sit, we have meals, we climb and do ropes course, kind of cool stuff. It's a beautiful setting where people get to come and relax and get some away time together as a couple. That event is coming up March 17 to 19. 2023, look for the Windshape Moving Ahead Retreat information in the show notes. And let me just ask you to go ahead and put Blended and Blessed, our worldwide live stream, get it on your calendar, Saturday, April 29th. For anybody in Florida, we're going to be in Melbourne. That's where the event will be held live, but you can be anywhere in the world and participate through this online virtual event, Blended and Blessed. And here's a cool thing. Your church can host it for a group of couples for less than a hundred bucks, but you better start having the conversations with your church leadership right about now. Uh, January would be a great time to have that conversation so that they will put it on their calendar and start making plans about how you can host some couples in your community to be a part of that. Again, the show notes will give you all the information about these events. Okay, next time on Family Life Blended, it's gonna be 2023. So Gayla Grace and I are gonna be in the studio and we're going to be talking about starting your year off right. We're going to be talking about working smarter, not harder on your blended family. Working smarter on behalf of your step family, not harder. That's next time on Family Life Blended. I'm Ron Deal. Thanks for listening. We love having you join us on this podcast. Just want you to know we're produced and edited by Marcus Holt and Josh Batson. Our uh, mastering engineer is Jarrett Roski. Project coordinator is Ann Ancaro. And theme music, the all-important theme music, is composed and performed by my son, Brayden Deal. Family Life Blended is part of the Family Life Podcast Network helping you pursue the relationships that matter most. Merry Christmas.